In this week's edition of Farmers Inside Track, we're catching up with our Piwe Ngusani Mawela, Mzanzi's first black female brewer to own a brewery. She says it's a privilege and honor to be paving the way for other aspiring brewsters. And Food for Mzanzi continues to break barriers, this time around with the country's very first COVID-19 podcast, Children's Story, created entirely on WhatsApp. We give you a sneak preview of our Tandi and Captain Stay Safe initiative. We are inspired by Tapelo Piri Jr., Director of Golden Legacy Trading and Projects, an agribusiness that helps farmers improve soil fertility and mitigate the effects of climate change. He says being featured on Food for Mzanzi opened new doors for him in the agri-industry. And this week we are reading Betting on a Darky, lifting the corporate game by one of South Africa's top CEOs, Mteto Nyati. He knew years ago as a schoolboy in Umtata, working behind the counter of his mother's trading store, that he wanted to fix and build things. And today, Nyati has steered many big companies out of troubled waters. You definitely don't want to miss our new weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agricultural economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He will highlight the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey South Africa, welcome to episode 33 of Food for Mzansi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. My name is Dawn Numdu. I am the editor of South Africa's leading agricultural news and lifestyle publication. And joining me is journalist Duncan Masiwa. Hey Dawn, it's been a bit of a crazy week, but I made it through. And I'm so excited to be back on the country's leading agricultural podcast. Listen, as always, we've got another great lineup today. Yebo Duncan. I'm really excited about today's lineup, but first up, you're connecting with Apiwe Musani Mawela, Mzanzi's first black female brewer, to own her very own brewery. South Africa's women's history has been full of pioneers and trailblazing women, and today I'm honored to be in conversation with one of them. Apiwe, you are South Africa's first female black brewer to own a brewery and the first black African to obtain a master brewer qualification from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. Now, of course, there are many other accolades to your name, but as one of the few women in this niche industry, how do you feel about all your accomplishments and what do they mean to you? Hello, Duncan. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to chat to you. For me, it's one of those things, I mean, growing up in the Eastern Cape, it was obviously something that I never thought I could ever get to this level. Through the years, things have happened that have led me to where I am today and be obviously receive all the accolades that you just mentioned. So it is a great honor, not just for myself. It's, it's something that I feel proud of for, for the, every other black woman and every, every other woman because, as you know, our industry is very male-dominated. And to have women like myself being involved and seeing many other women, I mean, there's so many other women that are coming after me, those who have been there, who have tried to get open up the paths for, so that I could on this day be able to say, you know what, I'm the first. 
I do hope, uh, it's one of the things that I really, really hope for, that I'm not just the first and the only. I wish for the day where such things are norm and celebrate more the brewer rather than them being female and 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 so yeah i think in a nutshell so it's quite a privilege sometimes i feel it's quite a big role to play because obviously being the first a lot of people look at what you do and what you get up are you representing obviously whatever i do i must make sure that those who come after me don't have to go through some of the troubles and the tribulations I've gone through or those before me have gone through, that for them things are much easier. There of course have been many beer brands that have come out of your brewery, but which beer was your first craft beer? I've had, uh, like I said, a lot of beers. My story into craft, how I got into appreciating, if that's the word, craft beer is, as you said, when I was still at SAB, so uh, back in 2010-2011, I was appointed as a craft brewer for for the company and I worked at the Shamdo Brewery, Francis Street, and my role was to create beers for festivals. And I think my very first craft beer festival was the Cape Town Festival of Beer. And thinking back, I think the beers that stood out for me and the brewers stood out for me, I think it's Darling Brewery is, I think at that time, was one of, of the well-known beers. And I think most people that are in the craft space at the moment who enjoy craft beer the FSB was from Darling. The other brewery that stood out for me at that festival with their beers was Triggerfish, Eric from Triggerfish. And I mean, it was still somebody that I still talk to and look up to to this day. So I don't really remember exactly which one was it, but I just recall being at that festival and trying out all these different beers and many of which I've never tried before. Because as you know, the craft revolution actually kind of kick-started and, and grew firstly in, in the Western Cape. So being at that festival and being surrounded by so many other craft brewery owners and, and tasting some of the brands was, I would say, the first highlight for me in the craft space. And I think they just home brewing and bring my own craft beers. There's so many. I just can't remember the exact first one. Sorry. <laughs> you know, up with the space that you've decided to occupy, you know, being the craft brew industry, it is very male dominated and white and relatively small. What about the craft brew industry attracted you, you know, to join in the first place? Yeah, what attracted me to the industry, I think for me, it was actually started off as just a job. When I first saw the position, I didn't even know what craft was or what craft brewery meant. At that time, I just wanted something different within the company or do something different. I thought that was quite exciting. I mean, at that time, SAB was relaunching the Francis Street Brewery, which is a small craft brewery within the company. And I thought that was quite interesting, something different. And once I got into that role and got to actually understand what the industry was about, and I started reading around and meeting people, understanding the global craft beer scene, and then I fell more and more in love and intrigued by what was happening. And that's how, for me, that's what drew me into the industry. And I and started through SAB, I met people who started their own breweries and just l- hearing their stories, their journeys, and and what they thought was coming, you know, and looking at what was happening globally, that was like one of the things that then led me to actually take the leap and decide to actually start my own brewery. Also, being an entrepreneur is not always easy, and there's no clear-cut formula for success. I'd like to know what has been some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your own experience as an entrepreneur. 
The biggest lesson that I have learned myself is the need for people to um, obviously understand more the technical side. So for me, coming from SAP background, being a brewer, by the time I started my own business, I understood and I knew the product, you know, so all I had to learn was the business. So what you find sometimes people want to start a business, but they don't even understand the products that they are selling or the product that they're making. And then as a result, that affects the quality. And also what I learned is that for me, because um, I joined the craft industry having already qualified as a brewmaster and have had the experience coming from SAB, the barriers were, I would say, not as much as they would have have been if I didn't have that background. So in the sense that, you know, being black and female in this industry, obviously people question you more than if you were not. So what I found is that because of my technical know-how and the fact that I had already proven myself, it was easier for people to have people's buy-in. So it was easier to uh, convince people. When somebody asks you, like, why you do this, then the minute you say, you know what, I'm a qualified pro-master. I've been doing this for the past 15 years of my life, for the past, you know. So then people tend to listen more. And for me, that is the one advice I would give an entrepreneur that's starting in the journey that you really, really need to understand the technicalities of whatever industry you're getting into so that that, for me, I think gives you not only personally yourself, it gives you the confidence, but it also gives your clients and the other people who are you dealing with within your business the confidence that, you know what, what you're talking about, you know it. And also it gives any potential investors the confidence that, you know what, if they were to back you as an entrepreneur, you know, it's not just an idea. Business is not just an idea. It's something that can work and the fact that one has experience. So I would really advise anybody that wants to get in any type of business that they need to understand that business a bit more detail and get to understand more the technicalities around that type of business. Is working at a brewery different than what you thought it would be when you started out? And perhaps what has been your biggest career highlight? Deciding to do microbiology at that time, it was more the biology and the science element. And then at university, I mean, obviously, you just started the theory, you started in a book, do some lab practicals, but it's not really industry. So when according to the industry, I don't be lie, it was different from what I thought. I didn't know what to expect. But I think what helped me was the fact that when I joined, I had a great number of people around me were supporting me. So it was not that much foreign. So there were people that were willing to show me things. For me, what also helped was the fact that uh, one of one of the guys who were one of my mentors when I was a young brewer was somebody who didn't just believe in telling. He believed that I needed to do it myself. So if we needed to clean a tank and there was a requirement that one has to actually get in, he wanted me to get in. He would not just explain something. He would want me to figure it out myself. If I needed to walk a line to figure out where the line ended, he would not tell me that this line starts here and it goes into that tank. He would literally want me to walk, even though he knows maybe the line ends up elsewhere, but he would just want me to do it myself. And for me, that was a very good foundation because it taught me things are not as easy. You have to work for things for them to happen. That has been a great journey. <laughs> I think I answered your question. <laughs> what has been my biggest highlight in my career? I think the first one was been a few things that have obviously happened over the years that have been like highlights. But I think for me, going back at the beginning, I remember when I was still at university, 
I used to apply at SAP for a bursary. And uh, I think finally getting into the company, this was back in 2005, when I got to bursary with SAP to do my honors in 2006. For me, that was probably one of the highlights. It was the beginning of the journey. The most recent, and obviously being getting my master brewer qualification was a, a big highlight. Then the most recent one was being the chairperson of the Beer Association of South Africa, actually being the founding chairperson, but it was something that while I was part of the discussions of forming the association for about three, four years, when we finally registered the association and I was nominated as the chair, that was a big highlight. And it actually happened to be the same year that I was nominated as the chairperson of the Institute of Bringing to Ceiling Africa section. Chairing those two organizations, which are obviously not just small Mickey Mouse thing, was quite a big role and it tested me on certain things and I was able to obviously improve myself on a lot of things and just push myself more. So that was the highlights. A lot of highlights, sorry, but yeah. <laughs> right, on to our quirky questions segment. Now, Piwe, in this part of the podcast, we ask you two questions that are completely unrelated to agriculture. And your questions for today are, would you rather have more money or more time? (laughs) That's a tricky question. (laughs) Because, yeah, everybody needs money. (laughs) I think the more money you have, the more time you probably possibly could have, because then you can buy certain things that you will not afford if you don't have the money. The lockdown was a great test for that because we had all the time to sit at home and kind of like do nothing. And some people had enough money. I mean, I also couldn't make any money. So <laughs> having time is awesome because you get to do things that you, you had wanted to do. But if I had to really, really choose between the two, I would choose the money and hopefully get the time. <laughs> Second question. How do you feel about putting pineapple on a pizza? Personally, I have never understood how people can enjoy this. But (laughs) what do you think? I have no issues. I love pineapple on its own. So I have no issues having it on my pizza. So unlike you, I really don't have an issue with having pineapple. And I actually have bought some pizzas with pineapple in, I think. Yeah, cool. Thanks for joining us, Apiwe. Hearing your story is so inspiring. Thank you for paving the way for other Brewsters in Mzanzi. Stay tuned. Next up, that promised sneak preview of our brand new Tandy and Captain Stay Safe series. Wow, Mom, what did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens, bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za. Heroes have superpowers. What do I have? I need a way to tell all the children in the world how to protect themselves so they can protect everyone else. Um, I need something that can fly. Something, something with a big voice and something that can help. I'm Captain. Stay safe. I've been here all along. I come from your heart. If I have you, 
then I can tell all the children in the world about the coronavirus. I can be a hero. But, but wait, Captain Stasov, is it safe to travel around with coronavirus? Only with me, Tandy. Well, nothing can harm you when we are together. Isn't that exciting? We are asking you, our favorite farmers from Umzanzi, to please help us share Tandy and Captain Stay Safe, all social media platforms and WhatsApp. Also, play it for your kids. It's available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just search for Tandy and Captain Stay Safe. And in other news, one of the trending stories on Food for Umzanzi is about Tapelo Piri Jr., the director of Golden Legacy Trading and Projects, an agribusiness that helps farmers improve soil fertility and mitigate the effects of climate change. He says being featured on Food from Zanzi opened many new doors for him in the agri-industry. Hello, Food from Zanzi and all the listeners. I'm Piri Junior. I'm an agripreneur. I would like to thank Food from Zanzi for the article that they published on the kind of work I do and the product that I offer to the farming community or the agricultural community. I would like to thank again Food from Zanzi for increasing the engagement that I have now with the farmers of different sizes who I've been in engagement with lately after the publication in terms of inquiries regarding the product. Overall, I think Food from Zanzi is a good publication that is giving light to even the aspiring farmers or people who want to be entrepreneurs in the future to know that there are many other opportunities within the agricultural space. And I believe that as the young people, it's us who need to change the perspective of what agriculture means to other individuals. So it is our duty as well to share the great stories that Food from Zanzi is publishing on different young farmers across the country. Thanks. Thanks for the inspiration, Tapelo Piri Jr. We feel honored to have told your story. For more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, stay tuned to www.foodformzanzi.co.za or simply follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Now for that promised book review, betting on a darkie, lifting the corporate game by one of South Africa's top CEOs, Mteto Nyati. He knew years ago as a schoolboy in Mtata, working behind the counter at his mother's trading store, that he wanted to fix and build things. And today, Nyati has steered many companies out of troubled times. We cross over now to Food for Mzanzi's co-founder, Ivor Price. 
That's right, Duncan. Today, Nyati is one of South Africa's top CEOs, having steered both Microsoft South Africa and MTN South Africa out of very troubled times. He's currently guiding the transition of Altron from a family business started at the height of apartheid into a high-performance international IT company with a social conscience. And this book will be meaningful to everybody in the agri-space, whether they are black or white, whether they are farmers or agripreneurs, anyone who is serious about business and serious about taking their business to the next level will find meaning and value in this book called Betting on a Darkie, Lifting the Corporate Game. And one of the quotable quotes that I enjoyed in the book is one where he says, if you want to take the system down, provide a better alternative at least. At heart, I'm an engineer, he says. I want to encourage people to fix things, not to raise false hopes. This book is an absolute must-have. Absolute must-have for anybody who's serious about upping their game. Thank you, Ivor. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Dawn and Duncan. Proud to be associated with this excellent platform. This is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, please subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and follow us on Facebook. But let's jump into the latest vegetable prices the past week. The potato price increased by 13% week on week to 37.88 per 10 kilogram bag with good demand towards the end of the month supporting these prices. Overall good quality coupled with lower volumes due to some regions finishing up is also assisting the upward movement of the average price at the moment. The feeling is that these higher prices can stay for a while. As mentioned last week, the colder weather had a direct impact on the tomato volumes delivered to the markets, which resulted in the price to increase by 19% week on week to 7 rand and 8 cents per kilogram. The expectation is that volumes may increase substantially in about two weeks' time and that prices may come under pressure then. However, for the next two weeks, we may see uh, the price to move upwards. The carrot price increased by 7% last week to 3.92 per kilogram. And as expected, the onion price stayed relatively constant on 4.73 per kilogram last week, but that limited demand and higher volumes may push this price downward over the coming week. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2.75, garlic decreasing to 88.71, Per kilogram, spinach on 3.79 per kilogram, sweet potatoes on 3.26, and the latest paper price on 12.12 per kilogram. In general, we have seen improvement in demand, but consumers that remain more sensitive to changes in supply levels than usual. As mentioned last week, the colder weather had an impact on prices due to changes in volumes and quality. However, we are moving towards the end of the month, which may mean that demand can pick up and bring some relief to fruit prices that is currently under severe pressure, mostly uh, looking from a demand perspective. 
We have seen that the banana price decreased by 8% to 556 per kilogram last week, while the latest apple price traded 3% lower on 6.52. The latest pear price uh, was relatively stable on 6.87 per kilogram last week. The orange price also decreased uh, by 3% week on week to 3.19 per kilogram, with limited demand the major driving force at the moment for these prices. However, some upward movement is also expected uh, for this price due to some extra demand expected. I think the success story of the fruit market for the past few months is most definitely the avocado industry with demand staying very strong in the midst of all these uncertainties. As a result, the avo price increased by 2% to 12.46 per kilogram last week. Other fruit prices traded as follows. Grapes on 70 rand and 92, peaches on 10 rand and 4 cents, pineapples on 6 rand 97, which is still 54% higher compared to a year ago, and lemons on 4 rand 13 per kilogram. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news in the fresh produce markets of South Africa, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and also follow us on Facebook. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank. Back to you, Don and Duncan. Thanks, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He brought us this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook. For more information, go to mtrends.co.za. Dawn, it looks like that's a wrap for this week then. But for our listeners, remember, if you love the podcast, please, please share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Please stay safe out there and follow Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest information. And don't forget to check out our other kitty podcast. It's called Tandy and Captain Stay Safe. Really cool information if you have kids at home or even family members who have kids. Share it with them also. From me, Don Numdu. And me, Duncan Masiwa. And the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team. Have a great week. Ciao. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.